And it's kind of a good refresher for us since we've left off the book of James. If you're visiting, we spent this past fall looking at James. And we're at James chapter 2. You can turn there a while. And just kind of to refresh us in this series, we've heard James say this. You're going to encounter trials. And you have two choices. You can choose joy. That will bring life and maturity in Christ. Or you can follow your desires. And there's going to be a loss of life. And you'll enslave yourself to things that should not control you. And in order for this to happen, you have to surrender yourself to God. You have to receive his word. You have to practice his word. You have to share his word, which means we're living examples of who Christ is to this world. But the goal, what James is looking at is how do we align ourselves with Christ? We call that maturity. Now I have to confess to you this morning that most of the church's reactions and arguments to critical issues of our day I view as emotional-based. It's our desires, not his. Of course, this is a myth that we're nothing more than the sum of our desires. And this puts everything at the center of our lives instead of aligning our lives with God. We say, this feels right. This makes sense. This is our version of compassion and mercy. God's word then becomes secondary, not primary. Now, having said that, for those that make God's word primary, it must be said as well that often the church, in the name of God and his word, have said things that God has never said. What that means is we take God's word and we align our desires and we twist scripture to our desires. And we've not spoken or lived with truth and grace. Having said that, we need to be careful how we discern God's word. And in our pop religious culture, it's very easy to simply fall prey to pop psychology. So that's what we talked about in chapter 1. In chapter 2, we talked about the problem of partiality. And that really is broken down three ways. The way we look at people, the way we look at ourselves, and the way we look at God. And the principle that James is teaching us is that we have to treat others the way God treats us. Obedience cannot wait. Understanding can. And we embrace our trials instead of resisting them. And we see people instead of judging them. Now, I want you to think about this concept of judging because that's what we're going to get into this morning in a very particular way as it relates to us. But let, just for a brief moment, remind us that God's word is the basis for any and all judgments. Hebrews chapter 4. Verse 12, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the hearts. And what the author of Hebrew describes is it's a surgeon's knife. It cuts to bring healing. And it discerns our thought. It discerns our attitudes. We can deceive people. We can deceive ourselves. But we cannot deceive God's word. And anyone knows who's gone through surgery. And I hear this all the time. Especially when the drugs wear off. (laughs) They say, wow. If I knew how painful it would be, I think I would have changed my mind about this surgery. But once the pain is gone, they understand the value. 
In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, all scripture is breathed out of God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man and woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And again, it's all, just not some. And it speaks of value, but it depends on how we listen and how we apply. It teaches us, it tells us, don't do this, but do this. And we know as parents, what happens when you tell your child, don't do that? There's a plate of cookies. You see them reaching. You tell them to stop. You say, you know, you can have a cookie after supper. And what do they usually do? They stand there and look at you, hands stretched out, so close. And what's fascinating is, if they can, they will sneak a cookie. And it's crazy because you know if they're going to take one. And it's kind of like, well, why'd they do that? What's wrong with them? Don't they know? I'm going to know. But think about that in terms of God's word and us. How many times do we try to sneak? (laughs) And we know, because God's all-knowing, that we're going to get caught And why did we do that? But see, scripture there is for correction. It tells us how to get our lives back. It's it's there to train us, to make us mature and equipped. And and think about a sports analogy when you get ready for a game. And it's why sports sports have coaches. Coaches train you the good habits. They help you stop bad habits. They train you to play as a team. They make you wear the proper equipment. They They start certain people. They sub other kind of people depending upon the opposing team. But this is what God's word does in regards to life. So that's kind of catching up what we've done for about three and a half months. We're at James chapter 2, verses 8 through 13. And before I read these, we're going to emphasize really verses 12 and 13. But I want to read in context what we did just prior to Advent to get again the context Uh, Why don't we just bow for a word of prayer? Father God, may your word teach us this morning, and may we have ears that are willing to hear what it teaches us. We want to thank you for your grace. We want to thank you for your mercy. We want to thank you that you are the judge, and we're not, because we would not do a very good job at it. So as you bless us this morning with your word, may we have the courage to embrace it, And may we leave this place, and may we have the courage then to become a blessing to people in this world. Thank you, Lord, that we can come here and worship you. And thank you that we can leave this place and continue our worship. And we pray this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. And everyone said, amen. James chapter 2, verses 8 through 13. If you really fulfill the royal law, we talked about the royal law. It's royal because why? It's given by a king. According to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. See, the question is not who is my neighbor according to this verse. The question is to who can I be a neighbor? It's not a question of geography. It's a question of opportunity. But if you show partiality, you're committing sin. And are convicted by the law as transgressors. 
It's the sin of partiality. It's a sin of discrimination. And we talked about how we often make judgments based on things like appearance. That's racism. On wealth, that's classism. On gender, that's sexism. Or any other ism. It's sin, he says. But whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable for all of it. For he who said do not commit adultery also said do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do murder, you've become a transgressor of the law. Then here's where we want to focus on this morning. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Now, I know the word judge makes us nervous. And we've all felt judged. And we've all heard people say, stop judging me. And when people say this, they're relating to the verb form. By definition, the verb form of judge means to form an opinion or conclusion. And there's even times when we make judgments or resist judgments where we quote scripture. One might be Matthew chapter 7, where Jesus said, Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And so we quote that, and we usually quote it out of context. And I'll get into that in a moment. There's another time, Jesus at a feast of booths, and the Jews are trying to find a way to kill him. They've already formed their opinion. They've already judged. They've already condemned him. And they did what we do today, especially in the world of politics and churches. We label people who are different than us. We label people, we accuse people of people that don't agree with our opinion or our judgment on something. It's an attack through accusation. So Jesus, they called him a friend of sinners. They called him a heretic, literally a worker of Beelzebub. Beelzebub is Satan. They called him a lunatic who thought he was God. They had judged and sensed him. And in the midst of that, here's what Jesus says in John chapter 7, verse 24. He says, do not judge by appearances. That's the sin of partiality. But judge with right judgments. Now, what scares us there is there is a right time to judge. And this is what James brings to light in chapter 2. And he moves it into the future. Look at verse 12 and 13 again. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Here's what he says. Everyone's going to be judged by God someday. And he's speaking to Christians. And he's speaking in the context of partiality. He says, you'll be judged under the law of liberty. What's the law of liberty? The law of liberty is where we accept Christ. He removes the condemnation, the judgment of sin. We're set free in Christ. We're made new. There's a whole lot of words and ideas that go along with this. But we get permission then to live according to our design. But liberty is not license. In liberty, we don't have the license to keep on sinning. In liberty, we're released from sin, and we renounce that sin, and we build a life apart from that sin. So here's the first principle we have to understand. 
We will not be judged according to our sins. Can anybody say amen? amen? I don't know about you. When I stand before Christ and I know that to be true, I got a whole lot of relief going on. Our sin will not be held against us. Christ paid the price. We are free from our sentence, from our condemnation of sin. John chapter 5, verse 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but is passed from death to life. Romans 8, verse 1. There is now, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's one of those verses that are really good to memorize because so often when we fail and so often when we, we know we do something we shouldn't, we feel condemned. But we need to remind ourselves there is no condemnation. Now, what these verses mean is mercy triumphs over judgment. But here's the second principle. Second principle is that our lives will be judged and rewarded accordingly. Now, when I say that, everyone in this room is getting a bit nervous. <laughs> Amen? I don't know about you, but I read it and I'm nervous. Romans chapter 14, verses 10 and 11. Listen to what Paul says. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? Again, this whole sin of partiality. For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. Some people know this as the Bema seat. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, every tongue shall confess to God. And then here's the verse that scares us. So then each of us will give an account of himself before God. Anybody nervous? (laughs) Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Now, this judgment really has three specific areas. And again, think about this in the context of the sin of partiality. This is what James says. We're going to be judged by our words. And when you heard the book of James, he has a whole lot to say about how we speak and what we say. So our words. Now, here's a verse that goes along that Jesus talked about. Again, He says we should speak like we should live under the law of liberty. In Matthew 12, 36 and 37, he says, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. Amy getting a little more nervous? Again, we're not condemned. Okay? That's that's off the table. We've been washed in the blood of Jesus. We are in. So this has nothing to do with whether we're in or out of heaven. For by your words, you'll be justified, and by your words, you'll be condemned. Now, James is going to get more into this tongue thing. But we often talk about words that bring life and words that bring death. And we often fail to realize that we often speak lies about people when we hear and spread rumors that we do not know are true. Even though we think they're true. Even when we critique something. So often, it's usually according to our desires and not God's word. I mean, think about this. Think about our version of church in America. Now, there's nothing wrong with opinions and preferences, likes and dislikes, okay? I'm saying that right up front. 
But when we get caught up in styles of buildings and music and preaching and clothes and programs and communion, baptism, and we spiritualize them to make sure our version is the right one, that's showing that sin of partiality. Now I want to show a picture here. This place, how do you like their church building? This place is Galucha in Mozambique. Uh, We were the first white people they saw. You see their worship facility right behind them. Um, The benches are as crude as the poles. But what you see happening, do you see the little stakes in the ground? That's their new building program. They're laying this out and they're going to build it because their group is expanding. And they were so joyful to have a place like this to worship it. Let me show the next picture. This was in Mozambique, the first place we were at. Um, Do you see what the one lady has in the middle in her mouth? It's a whistle. She was their worship leader. I know you guys gave a challenge to memorize. I'm going to give a challenge to my worship leader to lead worship some Sunday morning of a whistle. (laughs) I mean, she did a great job. Their style of music, if you haven't guessed, is different than ours but it's okay. What's important is the words they use. You know, are they based on scripture? And of course they enter joyfully into their worship service. But words, he says, you're going to be judged for your words someday. Secondly, you're going to be judged for your works. Not only how you speak, but how you act according to the law of liberty. And it goes back to, do we make choices that enslave us? Or do we choose joy in the midst of trial? Do we allow our emotions to control us? And again, when we think about choosing joy in the midst of trials, they're emotional opposites for us. But God knows how we're designed. And he says, listen, follow my lead. Follow my lead. And it'll be okay. But so often we allow our desires to get wrapped up in us and And one of the most common desires that we hang on to is unforgiveness or conditional forgiveness. And even though they ask forgiveness and even though we say we forgive, we hold things against them and we don't treat them the way we should treat them. We treat them the way that our emotions dictate us to treat them. And see, forgiveness has nothing to do with our emotions. It has everything to do with our actions. God says, I want you to treat that person as if you have forgiven them, even though in your heart you struggle emotionally with what they did. So don't be controlled by your trial. It will will turn into temptation and it will destroy you. And so we're going to be judged for our works. Third thing he says we're going to be judged for is our attitudes. That's intent. It's what nobody can see. And yet it's amazing today how many times we claim to have those powers. How many times did you say something like this? Well, I know why they said what they said. And you can't read their minds. And you might be right. You might not be right. But see, only God, the judge, knows our hearts. And even though we deceive ourselves and we think we have the right motives, on that day before Christ, he's going to pull the covers back saying, you know, when you did this and you thought, he says, no, I saw your heart. It's like that child sneaking a cookie thinking they could get away with it. So here's the scene. You get to heaven. 
And the best I can discern is there's going to be a replay on your life. Every word, everything you did, all the motives you had are going to be somehow on display before you when you're with Christ. Now, how this is done, I have no idea. But when you're standing there and you see all this and you're known as you will be known, as Paul says, what do you think your response will be? I know what mine will be. I'm going to cry out, Lord, have mercy. <laughs> and as Christ goes down through the list, according to James, here's what, it's, here's what he's going to do. He's not going to stop at the evil motives and say, listen, you know, that was a bad day for you. You should not have done that. And this is what mercy triumphs over judgment means. He's going to stop at the thing and say, you know what? Over here, you helped that person. You know, thank you for doing that. You were Christ to that person, and you get a reward. And over here, you might say, you know, I know you didn't think it's a big deal, but you spoke a kind word, and you didn't know this, but somebody really needed that. That was being Christ to that person, and here's a reward. Even though we will see all the bad stuff, mercy's going to stop at all the good stuff. So here's the lesson. Here's what we have to understand. First of all, he says, go and find opportunities to show mercy. There are plenty of opportunities to go and find things that are wrong. Amen? If you need to find them, I can give you plenty in my own life that you can find that just don't go well during the week. So when you, and understand what James is talking about, Midst of the sin of partiality, he's talking about how we see God, how we see ourselves, how we see others, how we judge people. He says, listen, judge people according to mercy. Let me take care of the other stuff. That doesn't mean we don't confront sin. It means we confront sin with a heart of mercy. It doesn't mean that we don't speak truth. It does mean that we speak truth with grace and mercy. And see, the second lesson is that God would rather reward you for your mercy than condemn you. So you go and do the same. He's talking about how we live with each other. Truth, yes. Mercy, yes. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. I'm going to pray with you. There's a whole lot more I could say about this judgment seat. Uh, but what you need to understand is you don't need to be afraid when you stand before Christ because there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ. Amen? Amen. But we will be rewarded for those things that we are like Christ with. And so Christ just says, listen, I want you to live this way because when we see each other, let's celebrate what's been good in your life. Let me pray for you. Father God, thank you for your grace towards us. Teach us to be more gracious. Thank you for your mercy. Teach us to be more merciful. Teach us what it means to hang on to truth because you've called us to surrender to your word, to practice it, to train in it, to live it out. 
And there's times we just fail to understand how to navigate certain situations. But train us how to do that with grace and mercy. Father, we appreciate how you teach us and how you lead us. And how are you just with us sometimes where you sit down and there's not a lot you say, but your presence is very comforting. And sometimes your presence is troubling because we know we're not where we should be. And yet we don't have to be afraid of who you are. So this morning, Lord, accept our worship. We humbly bow our knee to an audience of one because you alone are worthy. And teach us as we leave this place to bless people with our words, with our lives, with our attitudes. Teach us to see differently than our world sees. May what breaks your heart break ours. What what brings joy to your heart bring joy to our heart. And we pray these things in your name. And everyone said,